glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> gentlemen and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast proud member of the full-time fantasy podcast network you can find them at ftf Podnet on twitter you can find me at sports fanatic mb on twitter among us there are a ton of other great podcasts associated with this network including jim day of ff champs adam rodas and dr roto of sirius xm radio bob lung of the award-winning fantasy football consistency guy dwayne mcfarland blake sullivan and many others and you can find all of these great podcast on fulltimefantasy.com the one-stop shop for all of your fantasy needs today's episode i got mr matthew fox joining me we're going to go over all of the contract news the a b drama thursday night football a preview of the monday night football game as matt is a huge broncos fan and then we will jump in and do some movie league stuff as well there's no reason to keep matt waiting he's already here ready to go so let's jump him on here and let's start the podcast And I am excited to be joined yet again today by the one, the only, Mr. Matthew Fox. What is going on, man? How you doing today? Pretty good. It's uh, another scorcher here in Colorado, a little over 90 degrees, so it doesn't feel totally like fall, but I walked out and got my first pumpkin spice latte of the season, <laughs> so I feel like I'm ready for football. You know, yeah, that was a big story down here a couple weeks ago, uh, the release of Pumpkin Spice Latte and everybody talking about it being fall, yet it's like 100 plus out here. So I'm like, it doesn't feel like fall. Uh, I'd love for that fall weather to come along with the Pumpkin Spice Latte, but uh, I'm also not very big on uh, coffee and lattes to begin with. I drink like one type of coffee and no joke, the first time I'd ever drank coffee in my life was a year ago. I had never drank coffee before. My wife finally made me try it, and I got hooked on this, like, uh, it's a mocha something. I don't know what it's called, but that's, like, the only coffee I'll drink now as well. So it's, it's, it's a, you know, I guess it's a bad thing. I'm, I'm very uh, set in my ways in my old age, I guess is the way to put it. I, I, you know, I don't like to venture out. I know what I like, and that's what I stick with. So I'm not, not a big pumpkin spice guy, but I do hear that it is just wonderful to, to drink. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty delightful. I did have to get an iced one because, you know, I was sweating profusely right. by the time I got down there. It was already like 91 degrees, I thought. No, nope, can't do the full hot yet, but getting yeah. in there, it's supposed to be uh, mid-70s by the time games kick off on Sunday afternoon. Oh, little overcast, a little rainy. I hope I'm really going to feel fall when I'm sitting there watching Red Zone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just to... Just to give you a little idea, I had a, a friend of mine who actually went back up to uh, Ohio and Michigan this past week, and I, or he went last week, and I was talking to him yesterday when I saw him, and that's what he was telling me. He's like, man, it was like, first day I got there, it was like 80-something degrees, and the rest of the week it was like 70 all week, clear skies and everything. I was like, oh, man, how much yeah. I miss that, man, because it's just brutal here in Texas. I mean, you, I, I know you guys don't get it that often, so it, it's, it's rough for you guys actually was just talking to my dad about it the other day because as you know he lives up there pretty close to you actually uh and you know they're used to it because they've lived in texas for such a long time so they're used to that kind of heat 
and we were talking about that, and I was like, man, I was like, just remember that 91 degrees is like a, a nice fall afternoon in Texas, so I understand your guys' pain more than I more than I care to admit. But with all of the, the blistering heat, we've had a lot of uh, scorching hot takes and a lot of new contracts coming around. I gave you guys my opinions on them yesterday, so we're going to jump right into the breaking news now and let Matt kind of give you guys his thoughts on a couple of the contracts that have come across and then obviously the major news that has come across everybody's desks here this afternoon. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, so we're going to start off with with a uh, let's start off with the biggest contract, and that's Jared Goff got a 4-year, 130 million dollar deal, guaranteed 110 million. Uh, just in case you didn't get a chance to listen to the pod yesterday, Matt, uh, my thoughts on it were I thought it was a good move for the Rams in the sense that they've locked up him and Sean McVay now for the next coming 4 to 5 years, and they're really done a really good Really good job, in my opinion, locking up their young core with Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, all these guys under contract for the foreseeable future and really kind of help them focus on a Super Bowl win now mode and window. Um, what were your thoughts on Jared Goff and getting this contract yesterday? Well, I mean, you're right. They've done a good job locking up uh, the core. I guess I was mildly surprised um, because it's a pretty big number for a guy in Goff that he's he's been fine. He's looked fairly decent. Um, there's been some question about whether that's him or whether that's a product of the system he's in. I know there was even some speculation about whether the Rams would let him walk when his rookie deal was up and get somebody cheaper in there. Obviously not the case. Uh, maybe they felt more confident wanting to make this move with some uncertainty about Todd Gurley and his knee, and we'll have to see how it pays off. The other thought I had is the Rams have splashed out so much money on a handful of players the last few years. Uh, You know, we talk about in auction fantasy leagues, you can go the stars and scrubs method. And I feel like we're actually going to see that play out in the NFL here in a couple seasons, because you can only go so long before those massive guarantee contracts for four or five players eat a huge chunk of your salary cap. Yeah. Well, I actually agree with that 100%, and it's interesting because someone pointed that out to me yesterday. I was sitting around at my job, and we were talking about the the Jared Goff deal and some of the stuff going on, and they brought up a good point that I hadn't really thought about. I think they've already kind of started doing that. If you go back and look at last year and the year before, they've been bringing in older veteran players and putting them on one-year deals that weren't that much money, but helping them kind of keep that depth and keep somewhat star players on the field like Clay Matthews and Dominic and Sue, just to name recent guys. Obviously, Sue's gone now, but they keep bringing in these veteran players and putting them on one- or two-year deals that aren't that big cap hits while then allowing themselves to do exactly what you said fantasy-wise in a stars and scrubs approach. Obviously, Dominic and Sue's not a scrub. I'm not trying to say that, but bringing in and signing in these high talented players that they're kind of homegrown for the most part outside of, of Brandon Cooks and then bringing in other guys on shorter deals that, that look good on face value but really don't hit that much on the cap and are only for a couple years and then allowing them to move on. So it is definitely going to be interesting. The one thing I'll say on the Jared Goff thing, and I said this yesterday as well, I have obviously heard that argument a lot too that maybe he's just a product of Sean McVay's system and – 
That's not necessarily a bad thing because, again, Sean McVay's not going anywhere either right now. At least it doesn't look like it. They signed him in the offseason to a five-year contract, so he's got one more year than Jared Goff right now. So even if he is a product of Sean McVay's offense, Sean McVay's not going anywhere, so I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. They're tied together at the moment. Obviously, yeah. if something if they were to just fire Sean McVay in a couple years for some reason, I guess maybe we'll see if this Jared Goff is the real Jared Goff or not. Uh, but uh, I'm right there. I don't think it's that bad of a move. I know that's not what you're saying, and, and I do agree that there was a lot of talk, obviously, about the, the thoughts of them letting him go. So it was interesting to see him get paid. Someone we I also uh, I, I think one of the corollaries too that we'll have to watch when you take this tactic, in my opinion, it's going to put a lot of pressure on their GM to really hit with those draft picks and yeah. try to get those guys because that's where you can get real big value in the NFL if you hit on draft picks that can be great contributors because you get four or five years at a pretty reasonable rate. Right. Well, and here's one of the things about the the Rams. Um whole team makeup really if you if you look at it they don't have that many weaknesses and I mean I'd have to go in and look but I don't I can't think of off the top of my head a lot of players that are coming that close to getting up in their contracts as they keep locking these guys up for multiple years I mean I know obviously bringing in Clay Matthews you'd probably want younger linebackers there besides him not that Clay Matthews can't get it done but he is getting a little bit older uh, I know their secondary struggled a little bit some, some last year, so maybe that's something you approach in the draft this next year. But it's not like they have a, a bunch of players that are going to be up soon. I mean, Cooper Cup they just brought in a couple years ago. He's got probably – I know they didn't draft him in the first round, so he's got at least one year left on his rookie deal next season, and they can probably re-up him, especially with the knee injury. He's probably not going to get a huge contract. So if you're, you're exactly right, if they can hit on, on draft picks here in the next couple of drafts, they could definitely even extend that Super Bowl window even more than the four or five years it looks like they've got going right now. Yep. Speaking of Super Bowl windows, the, the Cowboys kind of, in my opinion, blinked and, and paid Ezekiel Elliott a ton of money to kind of help keep their Super Bowl window alive. Uh, there's two ways I want to approach this. Let's go with the Zeke approach first. Uh, just your thoughts on his contract altogether. He's now the highest paid running back in the league, in my opinion, well-deserved, because I do think he is the best running back in the league at the moment. It is a lot of money to give a running back, but uh, I guess my point of contention yesterday was you have Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara who are both going to be up for deals here soon. While I don't think Alvin Kamara is in the same class as Zeke, I do think McCaffrey is, especially as I think this year he has a realistic shot of getting 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yard receiving, and that would make him fourth on the list of all-time NFL running backs to ever do that. So I think he will put himself in that elite class if he's able to do that. If if uh, Christian McCaffrey would have gotten a deal like this, say, next year, the Cowboys would have to pay Zeke even more money. So I don't think necessarily it's a bad deal for someone who is likely going to be a stud for at least the next four to five years, barring injury, and they've locked him up till he's 30. So they have Zeke Elliott through his entire prime as now a Dallas Cowboy running back. What were your thoughts on, on them locking up Zeke? Uh, for in a six-year extension for for ninety million dollars. I mean, I think we pretty much all thought this deal was going to get done at some point. This is uh, was a much more clear-cut situation than the Melvin Gordon one. Gordon, you know, is kind of on a team where they've they've shown they don't really need him to be successful. Their entire disposition has been we don't really care 
if you want to hold out or if you come back, we'll be fine without you. Dallas been a lot of posturing, but nobody really thought that they were going to take that tactic with Elliott. And I think as the season got closer, um, there got to be more pressure and more interest on both sides getting it done. So it's a good deal to get done. Now Dallas can turn its sights to uh, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Um, which are going to be a couple of big questions. Yeah. Obviously, the the DAC contract comes into a little bit clearer focus, seeing what Wentz got and what Goff just got. Uh, you know, just seeing he's going to be somewhere in that range. I think from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, all those people that were able to get Ezekiel Elliott in the pick six to ten range and redraft are, have got to be rejoicing because he's definitely it looks like going to play. This weekend, um, I still think Pollard will be a decent handcuff and somebody I'm holding on for a little bit to see what happens. But uh, the report this morning, I was listening to the opening drive on NFL Fantasy Radio coming in, and they were projecting 20 to 25 carries for Elliott. So I think it gives the Cowboys the best chance. I think it's actually the best possible thing for Dak and Amari Cooper going into this contract negotiation because their offense is not going to be missing anything. Those guys will have a chance to go out there and show the best of what they can do with defenses still having to respect Elliott in the backfield. So um, I think it was a great day for Dallas Cowboy fans. Oh yeah, and and as you just mentioned, a great day for Zeke owners because I'm someone who who did that in uh, my home redraft league uh, that past weekend. This past weekend on Saturday, I got him at number seven, and I could not be happier right now because I also did not get Tony Pollard. So I was a uh, I was stressing a little bit. However, I did take Darius Geis as well, and we've got wonderful news with him, which we'll touch on before we get out of the the breaking news segment. Uh, Wanted to touch on one more contract really quick, uh, but I want to ask you about Dak. So you did mention that you think with uh, the Jared Goff contract that this might give you a better idea of where Dak goes. Uh, I did say on the podcast yesterday that Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, the reason they got such similar deals, they do have the same agent, and I'd imagine the agent was trying to make sure that neither one of them got shown up. In my opinion, whether you believe Jared Goff is a system quarterback or not, obviously Carson Wentz has the injury questions. Both of them, in my opinion, have proved that they are better than Dak Prescott. However, there are more questions about those two, in a sense, than Dak. Because although a lot of us, through the eye test, do not think Dak is that good, if you were to just look at his numbers and the way that he has won, you could argue that he is better than both Wentz and Goff. So where do you think his deal comes in? Do you think it's right there on par with those two, or do you think he gets more money than those two? You know, I've been listening to the NFL Morning Drive uh, every day for a month, and they've really talked about the the DAC uh, stats and the contract a lot. And it, it kind of changed my thinking a little bit. At first, I was thinking, well, you know, it makes sense Carson Wentz would get. He's kind of a big name, and he's been such a big force for Philadelphia. But when they actually listed off the stats side by side and then talked about the records, I mean, Dak has a very good case. Uh, you know, I had tended to agree with what they said that if I was him, I wouldn't take a penny less than what Wentz got because Dak Prescott has never had a losing record. He's been completely durable, started 16 games all of the seasons. He's put up uh, pretty good numbers and um, he's, you know, he made a big difference to that team if you're thinking about what they had going on uh, before that, you know, and 
his durability has something that has really set him apart from, unfortunately, Tony Romo. Whether you loved yeah. Romo or not, he put up some good numbers, but he had a real hard time staying on the field. And that's a, you know, Charlie Weiss said something um, on NFL radio. He said the best ability is availability. And, um, you know, that's, it's hard to argue with that. So I, I think whether you think he's elite or not, I mean, it's hard. The definition of elite for a quarterback seems to shift all the time. Quarterbacks get a certain threshold of pay. And if you have one, that's a good starting one. You have to meet that if you want to hold on to them or else you could end up in quarterback purgatory. And as a Broncos fan, I can tell you, you don't want to end up in quarterback purgatory. You could easily be paying $20 million a year for 34-year-old retread coming off of a hip injury. I mean, I think if I'm Dallas, I want to make sure I get consistency and I lock up a young player. Yeah, uh, and as a Browns fan, I can explain to you for the past, I don't even know, 20 years, past two decades, what what QB purgatory is like as well. So I I understand with you on that, and I am with you. Uh, That is something that I've kind of come around on. I I personally, as I've said many times, I'll say it again, I don't think he's worth that much money. But I feel like with the way the NFL is and the way the quarterback position gets paid, he's going to get that money because if you don't offer it to him, somebody will because you know there's going to be a bunch of teams at the end of this year. You know, Just think off the top of my head, at least Miami. You've got Denver even. I know we were just talking about with Joe Flacco on this. People, I don't know uh, Mm. if you think Drew Locke is the sure thing. If that goes out there in free agency – there's going to be teams that are going to be willing to pay him. So I do think uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Cowboys end up locking him up sometime soon or if they wait till the end of the season and allow franchise tag him, and then we'll see how that whole thing plays out. But I do agree with you. You've got the chance to lock him up now. He's proven that he can win. He's proven he's durable. There's never even been a hint of a serious injury with him. Lock him up now and, and continue to expand your Super Bowl window for a team that is set as much as it pains me to admit, to and is has the team and the, the pieces in place to win Super Bowls now. Yeah. The the last uh, contract I want to get into happened yesterday. Uh, I missed it while I was recording the pod yesterday, so I would have touched on it a little bit then. But Giovanni Bernard signed, and adds another year onto his deal, so he is now signed through twenty twenty one with the Bengals. That's uh, an interesting signing for me. Uh, obviously, I've talked a lot about how much I love Rodney Anderson coming out of Oklahoma, who obviously tore his ACL uh, in, in the week four of the preseason, I believe. So he is out now all year on the IR. But Travion Williams, a guy to Texas A&M, was another guy who was really high on, really good receiving back. I feel like this really kind of pushes him down the depth chart uh, because what a lot of people seem to forget is Giovanni Bernard is a very good running back when he plays. Uh, just last year, when Joe Mixon was out, Giovanni Bernard, every, I think it was four weeks in a row that he started for Mixon before he got hurt, was an RB1 for fantasy as well. So Giovanni Bernard can put up points. He's a very good running back, and now he is locked up in Cincinnati for the next couple of years. Yeah, it was a pretty cap-friendly deal, too. It wasn't a huge money deal. Cincinnati, I'm, I'm curious to see what their offense is going to look like. Obviously, a, a new coach there, one that came out of the Sean McVay coaching tree. Uh, curious to see what their offense is going to look like in general. Um, you know, and we could see 
you know, maybe this is an indication that we're going to see a lot more Geo to start the season, too, because uh, as I mentioned in a couple of podcasts back, I'm not a huge John Ross believer. Obviously, AJ Green not available. Tyler Eifert has had so many injuries, including just a devastating break last year. Hard to know what you're going to expect from him coming back. They need somebody other than Tyler Boyd, and with an offensive line in the shape that they're in right there, I think Gio's always been a, a decent uh, pass blocking back too. So probably a lot of things he brings to the table that they were looking at, saying, you know, this is a guy we can keep for a relatively low dollar amount and give us some depth and give us some options. All right, the last uh, contract thing I'm going to touch on before we move on to the A-B news uh, came out just a little bit ago that Julio Jones said he's not sure if he's going to play Sunday unless he gets a new contract. I personally right now am not too worried about that. Uh, There's been a lot of talk leading up this week that they're extremely close to getting a deal. Maybe that's him trying to to light the fires under Arthur Blank just a little bit. Obviously... um, for many of you know, me and Dennis will be in Vegas uh, this weekend. We will be doing a Friday pod previewing all the games. We'll get more into that then, especially if there's more news comes out that he is or isn't going to play. But did want to touch on that right now that he ha- he did come out and say that. Whether there's any truth to that right now, we won't know because it just came out about 30 minutes ago. But, uh, but Julio Jones threatening, I guess, to sit week one if he doesn't get paid. Let's talk about A.B., because I, I don't even know what to say anymore with this guy. Like, I, I really feel like we should just bar him from this podcast, because I, I kind of get sick of talking about it. So, yesterday he went on Instagram and posted uh, the list of fines that were sent to him by his general manager, Mike Mayock. And I don't remember the exact quotes, but it was something like, nobody's going to stop me, or nothing can stop me now, everybody's going to pay, blah, 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 whatever. Him and Mike Mayock exchanged words. There was apparently a a fight at Camper. It did not get physical, but there was a fight. He kicked the ball away from him and and said, you can find me for that or something. Looks like he is going to be suspended for week one of the fantasy football season. So Monday night against the Broncos. I mean, I, I really don't have anything else to add to it. There's a lot of talk about the contract. Uh, that he has stuff in his contract and he hasn't technically gotten any money from the Raiders yet that they could void a lot of his money now. There are some people coming out saying that he may, he's never going to play for the Raiders now again after some of this stuff. What are you, What's your takes on A.B. and everything going on with the Raiders right now? Well, I think you know a huge question uh, with him going out of Pittsburgh was, you know, we've, we've seen his talent on the field. But his off-the-field stuff was becoming more and more of a problem to the point where Pittsburgh seemed pretty happy to be through with him. You know, some people had balked at the time at the compensation that they were given to uh, to ship him away. You know, was that a good move? Was that a bad move? A lot of people in the Pittsburgh fan community and in the team community have said it's been big-time addition by subtraction, letting him go, which kind of tells you that maybe there was a lot more ruffled feathers than we even realized. Fortunately, we've had hard knocks this year, and if you've been keeping up watching Antonio Brown and his segments and, and his interactions with the team has been fascinating, 
and you just feel like it's been a constant distraction and a constant struggle for a Raiders team that's really young, that's looking for identity. I think uh, Gruden uh, said in that last episode of Hard Knocks, they kept 12 rookies, 12 out of 53 on that roster were first-year players. That gives you an indication they're going young, they're playing for 2020. Do they really need the headache of a guy like Antonio Brown? If you thought you were going to be a Super Bowl contender, you might put up with it and go go through a season like that. I think that's the reason Pittsburgh didn't make a move last year because they thought they were in a win-now window. And it backfired on them, and they ended up saying, hey, it's not worth it. And if you're Oakland and you're looking at this, is it worth, especially if you've gone so young, having somebody – that's bringing this kind of a poisonous attitude and atmosphere. One of the tweets out there said one of the things he screamed at Mayock was you had the fourth pick in the draft and all you could do is get the third best defensive lineman from Clemson. <laughs> well, that's a real shot across the bow yeah. to a young rookie who's trying to come in there and build some confidence and learn how to play. So now he's not only disrespecting the people that are running the team, he's disrespecting these young players. And if you're trying to create a culture and you're trying to build an atmosphere and a vibe, you have to look at the end of the day and say, is it worth it? And if they can get out of it without paying him, I think it's leaning more and more toward we're never going to see him play for the Raiders. And it just was a noble attempt that's going to go the other way. The real question for me is if he gets outright released, what happens to Antonio Brown? Because you have that great talent there, but if you're a contending team, do you want to bring somebody in? A lot of people have talked about, well, he's just going to end up on the Patriots. Uh, there's nothing about his disposition that makes me think Bill Belichick or Tom Brady are going to be willing to take a chance on that. If you're a contending team, do you want that? You know, if you're a rebuild, you know, I think that the dream right now would be seeing him end up in Miami. And <laughs> yeah, that would, well, I mean, he'll be going home technically. So yeah. I guess maybe that would work out for him. Yeah. So uh, I was trying to find that while you were giving your take right there. So Adam Schefter tweeted out that there are those around the league who now believe the Raiders could suspend Antonio Brown with the idea of trying to void his $30.125 million of guaranteed money in his contract, which would obviously end his time in Oakland. I'm right there with you on the Tom Brady thing. I, I see it all over Twitter right now. I've been seeing it. A lot of people think that he'll end up with the Patriots. I'm right there. I don't think that he would either. But someone will claim him or someone will pick him up because he is so talented. We've talked about it many times on here. Six straight years with 100-plus catches. Right? That's never been done before in the NFL. So someone will think he is worth the headache and give him a shot. Who that will be, I don't know. I would really be surprised if he's done in Oakland. Uh, I mean, it would be – this could this not possibly be one of the biggest flameouts in, in a – it's not even possible. He is a Hall of Famer. For everything he does off the field, on the field, he's a Hall of Fame football player from what he's done so far in his career. It has gone downhill fast. Like The one thing I'll say before we move on from him, unless you have anything you want to add, if this has been going on in Pittsburgh this whole time – Good on you, Mike Tomlin and the Rooney family, for being able to cover this up and really kind of keep him somewhat straight and narrow because we had not seen any of this up until those last two years in Pittsburgh. So uh, how all of a sudden we are just now kind of seeing this side of Antonio Brown is a little bit uh, alarming to me, and I think that's what is catching so many people off guard. 
Well, and you have to remember, too, it seemed like Oakland was a preferred destination for him when he was coming out of Pittsburgh. So if this is the way he's acting, going somewhere he wanted to go, you just have questions. I think the most likely, if he gets released, and you know what, I would applaud Oakland if they just took a stand and said, hey, you've jerked us around all offseason, now you're picking fights with the general manager, you're... You know, we're going to move on. We need to play serious football. I think the kind of team that probably takes a chance on him is not a team that knows it's a contender that has a good chance. It's a team that's right there on the cusp, wondering whether or not they can get into that playoff discussion and wants to take a flyer and see if he can be the guy that helps spur them from a 7-9, and 8-8 eight eight to a 10-win team and into the playoffs. Yeah. All right, so that right there will do it for our breaking news. Let's go ahead and preview the Thursday night football game. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. Y'all not going to be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. It's about to get ugly. I want to score. Do you? You don't want to talk so much. It's time to do now. So it is the 100th season of the NFL, and we have the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers meeting for the 199th time. Going to be a really good game. We talked about this a little the other day. Obviously, this was uh, the same opening game for them last year where Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and obviously... Uh, I can't remember, he tore, not tore completely, but he hurt his MCL, uh, which really kind of affected him the whole season, in my opinion. He was definitely not the same Aaron Rodgers. Uh, according to ESPN, they are projecting Chicago uh, a 50% chance of winning this game. Let's start on the Chicago Bears side here. What are your thoughts on Mitchell Trubisky and uh, – well, let's just start with Mitchell Trubisky against a, a Green Bay defense that, in my opinion, is going to be much better than they were last year. You know, Matt LaFleur comes in. Uh, they really don't draft any offensive players or bring in any offensive players um, in free agency. They stick with everybody they had last year. They went full defense free agency and in the draft to improve that defense under Mike Pettin, who I think is a phenomenal defensive coordinator guy who – was a head coach in Cleveland and has always done a really good job coaching up defenses. So now you got Mitchell Trubisky going up against this group. What are your thoughts on him tonight for fantasy? Well, you know, uh, first I'll say I think sometimes these opening kickoff games, we get really excited. Sometimes they aren't exactly the best football we're going to see all yeah. season. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of hype and pomp going into the game. And sometimes you don't get really a true – vision of the offense i also think while i like a lot of players on both these teams uh for the season <clears throat> there's a few questions that it, that we might have about what they're exactly going to look like i did the preview for the fantasy life after this game today and um i actually think uh, trubisky is a guy i said like, a couple days ago i think can take a step forward this year but for me for week one he's a qb2 i'd like to see what he looks like coming out um, I, I wouldn't in, in a one QB league, I'm probably not starting him tonight. 
Man, it's like you listened to the pod yesterday. I said the same thing. I, I, I like Mitch this year. I'm right there with you. I think he does take a step forward. But I've got him ranked right around 15 this week for me. I just think this Green Bay defense is going to be much better. And I think the guy to, if you have Allen Robinson, in my opinion, you have to start him tonight. I think he's the go-to guy for the Bears offense. Anthony Miller's been dealing with injuries all this offseason. He's supposed to be playing tonight. But dealing with the injuries and everything throughout, uh, all, I'm sorry, I said offseason, preseason and training camps, I'm not sure I would trust him. You got Trey Burton dealing with the groin issue as well. So I think it's all Allen Robinson tonight on the receiving side. For me, the guy that I am starting no matter what is David Montgomery. I think he's going to have a huge game tonight. The Packers struggled against the run last year. While they added Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, who I think is a phenomenal linebacker and could help them some uh, in that linebacking core against the run. They did let go of uh, Mike Davis earlier this offseason, who was pretty good against the run as well. Or Sorry, Daniels. I said Davis, didn't I? Daniels. Uh, and he was good against the run. I like Montgomery this, this week, tonight, against the Packers. I'm, I'm playing him over Tariq Cohen. As much as I like Cohen, I think yeah. this is going to be Montgomery's breakout game tonight. What are your thoughts on their offensive weapons there in Cohen, Montgomery, Robinson? See, to me, I'm, I'm putting Cohen, Anthony Miller, and Trey Burton in the same group of I, I want to see what they look like in the offense first. Burton, we don't even know uh, still if he's going to play. I think last I saw, he's still questionable. It might yeah. be until we see inactives. I like Allen Robinson as a flex play tonight. Um, you know, maybe low-end wide receiver, too. Again, you know, want to see. And I like David Montgomery as, a, as an RB2 flex option as well. All right, so let's move on to the Green Bay side. Uh, for me, I said Aaron Rodgers, he's just too good to not play, but I don't think he gives you that top five start this week. I think he's closer to 10, but I still think he's going to be a top viable option because he is Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully being back fully healthy, no MCL issue. Not only will he obviously give you the uh, the passing yards, but he is not afraid to get out and run a little bit. I know that Bears defense kind of terrorized him a little bit in that first game. Has a lot of weapons around him as well, but let's get your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers first, and then we'll move on to the running backs. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers is a QB1. I mean, we saw last year in this very same game on opening weekend, their defense was relentless, sacking in there a lot. The Bears had a good defensive performance, and Rodgers still threw for three TDs. Yeah. And the big thing for Rodgers is the guy doesn't make mistakes. So even if he doesn't have incredible yardage and TD numbers, he's not going to kill you with fumbles and interceptions either. So he's about as safe as you can get as a QB1. Yeah, so this is crazy. Before we move on to Aaron Jones, I just want to point this out. Cause I don't know how many people know this. I actually just found this out this morning. That Aaron Rodgers in his entire career has only thrown double-digit interceptions twice. And that was his rookie year and the year they went to the Super Bowl, which I think was 2007 now, right around that time. So the fact that it's been that long since he's thrown double-digit interceptions is insane. It's exactly what you were saying. He does not make mistakes. Before we get on to his receivers, who I think all could have decent games tonight, Aaron Jones going up against a very good Bears defense who was stout against the run last year. What are your thoughts on him tonight? I mean, I have high hopes for Jones this year. I think uh, in this game I'd put him low on the RB2 flex range um, just because you don't know exactly what it's going to be. I still think he's the most talented back, and I also think he could be a part of the passing game, which will give him a little boost in PPR formats. 
Yeah, I I, uh, I think that he is going to likely score a touchdown tonight, but outside of that, I don't think he's going to give you a lot of rushing numbers. I think his best shot is the receiving part that you just mentioned there. Get a couple dump-offs, do something with it, but I think when they get down into the goal line, they're going to give him that chance to score. So he'll get you some decent numbers tonight, but don't expect a huge game out of him. For the receivers, I think you've Devontae Adams is a must-start. I don't think there's any question about him whatsoever. But you have, obviously, the other three guys around him in uh, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and I cannot for the life of me think of who the other guy is that will be starting out there tonight. So are you trusting in, in Geronimo Allison or MVS tonight? I'm not. I said in my preview today, uh, I love Adams. I think he's a, a wide receiver one. He might end up being wide receiver one overall for for the season. I think he has that potential. But aside from Rodgers, Jones, and Adams, I don't want to start anyone for the Packers on offense. I think we need to see it. Um, you know, we didn't. Preseason is not a time where they show a lot. The third preseason game where we might have gotten a better feel for the Packers was the one that was in Canada where the field was messed up and they said, oh, we're not going to play anyone. So it's a real mystery. Um, Chicago, I think, is still going to have a good defense. I know people are worried about a little bit of a fall off because they had some changing pieces and because Fangio uh, moved on to Denver. But I still think they're going to be a good defense. I still think they're going to pressure, and I still think they're going to be strong at home. So outside of the big three for the Packers, to me, it's a wait and see. And that includes with tight end Jimmy Graham, who people have thought might take a step forward, might be a goal line target tonight. I have to see it first. Yeah, on Adams, really quick before before we move on to some of the coaching stuff I want to talk into before we, we start picking the game for tonight. Devontae Adams, a, a little stat that many of you may not know about him. He is the only wide receiver to catch 10 touchdowns or more three seasons in a row So out of like this whole group right now. So DeAndre Hopkins hasn't done that. Antonio Brown hasn't done that. You know, Keenan Allen, uh, who am I forgetting? Who, well, obviously everybody knows Julio Jones doesn't score touchdowns, but... Devontae Adams has really kind of been up there and really underrated. I'm right there with you. Uh, I know it was obviously before you joined our group, but me and Dennis did a, uh, a a wide receiver podcast where we talked about who we thought was going to be the wide receiver one overall. He went with DeAndre Hopkins, which is not a bad call at all. He's definitely going to be there. But my pick was Devontae Adams as well. I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to come back this year with a huge chip on his shoulder with all the, the kind of – I would say almost nonsense has been talked about him all offseason since Mike McCarthy got fired last year in December. And a lot of that is going to go to Devontae Adams as by far the best weapon on that offense. You talked about Chuck Pagano being the defensive coordinator. I do think that that is going to be, a, I don't want to say a big issue, but an interesting issue for tonight because Vic Fangio, I was listening to some stuff today, and I'll, um, I can't remember who it was. Adam Schefter, actually, said that he talked to uh, like half the league's offensive coordinators during the offseason, and each of them said that the hardest defensive coordinator to prepare for is Vic Fangio. That is how much respect he has in the game right now. He leaves, goes to Denver, is their head coach. Now you have Chuck Pagano there, who was a defensive coordinator, uh, you know, a decent one at that, a decent head coach. And then you have, obviously, Matt LaFleur there as the new offensive coordinator and head coach for the Packers. Which one do you think that affects more tonight, the Bears defense or Matt LaFleur and that Green Bay offense? Well, I'll say... I have my reservations about Matt LaFleur. He was supposed to be an offensive genius when he went to the Titans last year, and um, I didn't see a lot of genius from the Titan offense. 
I have wondered for a little while um, if it's not going to end up that Sean McVay is an incredible coach, but all the people that keep getting pulled out of his coaching tree don't quite live up to that, somewhat similar to uh, Belichick, who we all know is incredible, but whose coaching tree has not yielded a whole lot of uh, ripe fruit. Uh, when they've gone to other places. So I'm curious to see. We also didn't really get a chance to see the offense a lot. I know that there were some touch-and-go things with him and Aaron Rodgers and their relationship and their philosophies uh, going along. They're going to be on the road, which will have an impact. Chicago is not an easy place to play, and the atmosphere is going to be pretty tough there. For the Bears on defense, you know, it is a loss losing Fangio. They lost a few pieces. You know, Bryce Callahan, uh, their nickel corner, went to Denver as well. Ed Donatel, who was the number two for Fangio, is now the defensive coordinator in Denver. So they had a lot of turnover. Uh, but Pagano has always been a good defensive coordinator, and I think he will bring his own wrinkles there. And this defense, let's not forget, still has Cleo Mack, still has a killer linebacking core, still has a strong front seven, still playing at home, still has good corners on the outside. They didn't suddenly forget how to play defense. Um, so while I don't think they'll be maybe quite on the same level, there was always going to be probably some regression because they had incredible turnover luck. Um, last year too and I still think they're going to be good they're going to be able to pressure Green Bay one of the other big questions we have is they spent a lot of time trying to work on their offensive line did they actually get that done we didn't get to see enough of a sample in preseason and no matter how stout a practice or scrimmages are there's still practices and scrimmages there's going to be conditioning there's going to be jitters so I think there's just a lot of questions that always come into week one um, I said when I was doing my preview, the Bears were a top-flight defense last year, and anytime you have Khalil Mack, it's hard to count them out. I would still start them if I took them in fantasy, and I don't think they'll pop, probably have an incredible week, but I think they're still going to get sacks, they're still going to get pressure, they're still going to be tough to run and throw against. Yeah, uh, and they also lost Adrian Amos to the Packers, actually, so a very good safety that joined uh, the Packers this offseason. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on with the with the takeaways that you mentioned with the Bears, uh, every year so far, for, I believe it's like the past decade, uh, the team in the NFL that led the year in takeaways the year prior dropped about 16 altogether the year after, so... Don't, in my opinion, don't expect the Bears to do exactly that on defense. I still think that they're going to be very good, as you were saying, uh, but don't expect them to turn the ball over as much this year as they did last year. So it's it's pick'em time, where we're in a pick'em group together for the FLA blog. Who are you yep. picking to win the game tonight? I picked the Bears. All right, and I picked the Green Bay Packers. So one of us will start off at least 1-0 Friday until the rest of the games roll around Sunday. We've talked about this before. You are a big Broncos fan, so we'll obviously preview the game on Monday's pod as well. Uh, but before we get your movie league stuff and get out of here, I want uh, to just give give me a quick shot on what you're thinking for the Broncos this weekend against the Raiders. And uh, are they the first or the second Monday night game this week? They're the second. second. Um, okay. You know, it's always you're super pumped for opening weekend and then to see that your actual team that plays doesn't even get started until 8.15 p.m. local time on Monday night is always a little bit of a blow. So uh, no doubt I'm going to be a little blurry-eyed on Tuesday morning, but I think the biggest... uh, 
thing that we have going on waiting to see this game is what's going to happen with Antonio Brown because obviously a very different kind of game plan. Um, I'm really excited to see Fangio's defense uh, in Denver. We have uh, some really good pieces. You know, he had Khalil Mack in Chicago. We have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb here. Um, and I think they're going to be a ferocious combination. Um, from what I've seen, I think the defensive line really improved. I really like what they're doing in the secondary um, with Callahan, Kareem Jackson, joining Simmons and Chris Harris Jr. Um, and so I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. Offense, really hard to tell, uh, but it looks like Emmanuel Sanders is 100% ready to go. We saw some flashes in the preseason that looked like the Emmanuel of old, and I'm kind of excited just to get it going and see what it's like out there. All right, and before we cut out of here, let's get our, our weekly uh, movie league update from you. Yep, so Fantasy Movie League, uh, we start the fall season, uh, starts this week and goes for the next 13 weeks. Only one new uh, entry in the game this week, and it's uh, It Chapter 2, which is the follow-up to It, which was released around this time in 2017 and was just a huge uh, box office draw. It's in daily scoring, for those of you that haven't played Fantasy Movie League before, if there's one release that they think is just going to totally dominate at the box office, sometimes they'll release it in daily scoring, so you're not booking it for the weekend, but you're booking either a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday total on your screens, and that's how it is for It Chapter 2, because it's projected to make uh, $100 million or so, and the next closest movie is projected at about $5.5 million. so obviously people are not expecting a lot of diversity at the box office this week. Uh, it's a very stars and scrubs heavy one. So when I was going through looking at it, um, you know, it chapter two is 169 minutes, which is uh, pretty long for a film. Kind of reduces the amount of screenings you can have in a day because theaters have to have a, enough time to have space to clear one crowd out, clean and and put things into another one. Um, the first movie made a little over 123 million on the opening weekend. This one, the projections uh, on Box Office Pro and Box Office Report were between 98 and 102 million. While Fantasy Movie League has a three-day scoring total of 109 million, so I think they're a little high. Uh, for me, when I was looking at all the options, it's also opening week of the NFL. I don't think Sunday is going to be a huge theater day for this one. Um, I thought the value was in playing uh, two screens of the Saturday uh, option for IT Chapter 2. Um, so you can see my full picks will be out, and my rationale and some of the research uh, will publish at 5.30 Eastern tonight. Or 5.30 Mountain tonight. Yeah, if I, and I just on, on that, uh, I, I'm terrified of scary movies, so I hope it too does well, but I will wait till that comes out on DVD so I can watch it in the comfort of my own home, and, and when I freak out like a little girl, uh, nobody can make fun of me, so... Uh, Hey, I know how you feel. When the first one came out, I found a friend at work to be my accountability partner, and we went to a Saturday matinee, so I was sure it would still be daylight outside. <laughs> yeah, I don't do... We, interestingly enough, uh, I, we actually just finished the first one, like, 
a week and a half ago. Uh, we had gotten like almost all the way through it, then a bunch of stuff came up, and we just couldn't finish watching it. I actually don't think it was that scary, but I hear this one is supposed to be amazing, so I'm really looking forward yeah. to it. I heard Bill Hader is like gives a phenomenal performance in this. I'm a big fan of his, just in his comedies that he's done, not only his serious movies. So excited to figure out how that does as well. We'll get a little bit of a recap from that uh, from you on that Monday and see kind of how the weekend played out movie league wise. But uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Obviously, we won't get a chance to talk again until Monday. So enjoy opening weekend of football. Enjoy the game tonight and all the Sunday games. And we'll talk again on Monday, break a few of the games down, get a movie league update and then preview both Monday night games. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Happy opening weekend. Yeah, and, and matter of fact, not only did he kick the ball away, but apparently we this just in, uh, I had some guys uh, that I pay here on the side to, to go into camps and everything for me. They actually got some audio of the fight, so we're going to go ahead and plug that in right here real quick. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored 